Welcome to Listener, a crew podcast. I'm your host, Sam Holland. Today's guest is Cass Monaco. Cass serves as an executive director with Crew City. She's a missiologist and a theologian who's passionate about forging new paths to help people discover their place in God's story. She engages the curious and equips followers through writing, speaking, and teaching in the Raleigh-Durham area and beyond. Enjoy the show. So Cass, I know that you've been working on new approaches to evangelism. Tell us about a recent time you used what you call the narrative approach to meaningful gospel conversations in your context. Great question. Um, I recently injured a muscle in my arm while I was working out, which should be really impressive to know. But, and so I've been going to physical therapy and uh, twice a week for the last four weeks. And I have really prayed as I've gone to and met with that therapist every week. And I usually lay on the table and she stands next to me and massages the muscle in my arm. And we've had these kind of amazing conversations where uh, I could, I asked, I met with her right around Easter and I asked her, do you, do you celebrate Easter? And she said, no, I don't. I just kind of checked, took that as a check and continued just to talk to her um, about life. We've, we've covered all the bases in our lives. And over the course of the, these eight times that we've met so far, she's shared some really significant things with me about her life. And, and so through that, I've shared my story. She's asked me a lot of questions about um, my life. And so it's just been this really great example, I think, of talking with her over a, the course of a conversation over four weeks that will continue on into the next month or so as my muscle continues to heal. And that's an example to me. Like, I know that, uh, being able to listen and hear her story is really significant in order for the conversation to continue. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I think that's the that's a real indication to me of where we are in our culture today um, with regard to meaningful gospel conversations. Yeah, it certainly does seem that there's been this shift back into storytelling, mm-hmm. that we do a lot of storytelling with one another as a way to build intimacy, to get to know each other. And I love that this is with your physical therapist because Mm -hmm. it's so embodied. Mm -hmm. I mean, she's actually healing you, you know, touching, touching you. And so there's a really neat exchange there that's going on. That's physical, that's spiritual, that's emotional, isn't there? Yes. It's so amazing because she stands like her face is about her masked face is about six inches from mine as she works on on my arm. And I, I've thought of that exact thing, that it's really intimate. And um, like, I don't talk to most, I've not probably spoken that closely with my really good friends. And it's, it's really amazing how God has done that. And I, it's also, I've really sensed even the battle as I go there, that I feel this, uh, like I know that I'm going into a conversation that is meaningful, you know, that it's not, and that, that I want to be prepared for that. And so I've been really prayerful about it too, but it's, it's been, and I really like her. I would really like to keep meeting with her, you know, if there was a way. So we'll see what happens. Mm -hmm. 
it's you brought up how you know she's wearing a mask of course because of the pandemic Mm -hmm. you know I've been seeing a physical therapist and a massage therapist at the chiropractor for almost a year I've never seen their faces because we always wear masks and isn't that interesting I can't wait for the day when we can take off our masks in every way, you know, take off the spiritual mask, take Mm -hmm. off, but actually take off the masks that we're wearing to protect one another right now Yes, Yes. and see each other. I know. I was going to ask her when, like, I'm not sure when I'll wrap up, but I was going to ask her if she would take her mask off so I could see her face. Because I, I, and her mask is way, way up under her eyes. So I really only see her eyes. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, that's such a great example of what that kind of, what's hidden back there sometimes. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's weird. It's intense. Yeah, for sure. Well, something else, Cass, that I heard that you've been trying is this Swiss-developed approach called My Friends. I'd love mm-hmm. to hear more about My Friends and what that's all about. Well, I'll give you a little background. I uh, was introduced to a Swiss staff guy named Jörg Schaffelberger, and he had met uh, Greg and Charmaine when they were in at the European staff conference four years ago, maybe. And Greg, he, he did a presentation on the My Friends approach, and uh, they call it there the My Friends, it's My Friends Lifestyle. And uh, Greg gave him my name and then told me about him and about the approach. So I got, uh, we set up a Zoom call probably three years ago. And I can remember, it was about this time of year, and I was sitting outside on the deck and asking him a couple questions and having him tell me about the circumstances that sort of led to this approach to evangelism. And he and a friend living, he's, he's Swiss, and so in Europe, it's post-Christian, there's really difficult to have gospel conversations. And he and his friend were praying and and agonizing over this and just began to decide that really the best thing we can do is live out our faith with the people that we encounter. So his friend is a karate instructor and has a karate, I think, I don't remember what they call him, but a karate school, I guess. And he uh, began to, as people would come in and they would struggle with their moves or if they had injuries or if they were having a bad day, he just began to enter in and pray for them. And within a short period of time, um, several of the different people that were there, the students of the karate school, began to ask him, "What? who is this God that you're talking to? What? Tell me more about this. And so he began to share the gospel as in conversation in the midst of this school. And then after the classes were over, he started to take them on a a road of discovery through the Bible. And they began to study the scriptures, and um, he introduced them to Jesus in the midst of this study. And uh, several came to Christ. They ended up having um, a baptism at the karate school. And one of the guys uh, that was in it, Uh, is Filipino, and he asked if it was okay if he brought his friends, and so he brought his friends, and then during that baptism, like 10 or 15 more people were baptized, and then then this this one story that kind of the multiplication of that moved on with this guy sharing his faith with his family, and now there are 
like generations of people in his family that know the Lord. It was just this, I'm, I was kind of awestruck as I listened to him. And then he's, uh, it's, they're, they've been using the My Friends approach in Australia, and uh, they, uh, similar stories with the staff there as they began just to interact with people sort of naturally about God, because we live in a culture where God isn't normal. It isn't like in the days, like maybe when I was young, where most people went to church, they kind of understood who God was. But today, that isn't the case. And people are amazed by prayer and the power of prayer and that God answers prayer. And he, one of the things that I especially like about the approach is, an, is a kind of an extra sensitivity to the Spirit's leading and guiding and trusting God along the way, like as I've described with my physical therapist, that, um, and trusting that God, no one comes to the Father except that He draw them. And that he will bring people across our lives, that across our paths, that he is bringing into a salvation relationship with. And so we talked for a couple of years and then started a learning community. Um, Jurg and I did, launched it in the middle of February last year. We all gathered in Orlando. Uh, Jurg was there with his wife and um, a couple that it supports them from Switzerland. We had this great time. There were about 14 of us, a few from campus and um, AIA. And we were all inspired and ready to go, trained to use this approach, and left Orlando. And two weeks later, we were all in quarantine. And so it's been a really interesting journey along the way. And, and several people have seen God do really incredible things and seen people come to Christ, seen small groups start virtually where they're doing Bible discovery is what my friends is called. And we're, there's a lot I could tell you about that, but we're about to launch our second learning community in September and try, try again um, with a, a different set of people. So I hope I didn't talk too much about that, but that makes sense. That's so cool. Now, I love this theme that you're threading through the conversation about this, you know, a life of following Jesus is really a life following the Holy Spirit, mm -hmm. like just yeah. trying to stay alert to what God's already doing. Mm -hmm. I can think of multiple times where I was, for instance, going on vacation. And when I go on vacation, it's almost like I'm just like, God, I'm going on vacation. I'm not in ministry anymore. This is, this is about my time. But I can remember these specific times where I was on vacation, but God would just put me next to people at a pool, at, you know, at the beach, at wherever. And I end up in these spiritual conversations mm -hmm. that come out of nowhere. I'm yeah. not even trying. I'm just talking to other people on vacation. And it's evidence to me that God's just laughing like, oh, are you, are you not doing ministry anymore? Are you on vacation? Well, I'm always ministering to people. And let, let me show you, you know. And so I just think that's so important and so freeing if we can think mm -hmm. of it as just paying attention to what God's already doing yes. in, in, in our life and in everyone's life around us and then just stepping into it, right? Yeah, I was going to share this um I've been, I frame things around the idea that um, the Bible, the, the 66 books of the Bible tell us the true story of the whole world. And that 
all of human life is shaped by story. Like yesterday when I was with uh, my physical therapist, she was asking me about my mom and her death. And I, she was asking me questions and she said, oh, that's really hard. And we, she, she made the comment, it's interesting how we all have our journeys. We all have different stories within our families. We all, uh, you know, we all embody the story. And I thought that's exactly right. And that I think the way we understand even the tiniest detail of our life really uh, depends on the story that we believe. You know, that if we believe that we are part of the true story of the whole world that began in Genesis and, and crescendos to Christ and then on to the new kingdom, it makes everything that we do is, is inspired and moved by the Holy Spirit. It's really such a different, I, I, like I, we know that, but to posture ourselves that way every day makes it, it it's, changes things. It changes every conversation, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It makes me think of Jonah. I'm going to segue into the book of Jonah right now, Cass, because you're a Bible scholar, so I know that <laughs> All right, no, we're, we're going to go there together. But here's why it makes me think of it. Well, I've been doing it in Bible study, but Jonah's, of course, this prophet, so he's God's messenger, and God invites him to go to Nineveh, which Jonah doesn't want to do because those are Israelites, those are Israel's enemies. So Jonah runs the opposite direction, but he ends up being a messenger for God anyway, but in a different context. He ends up telling the mariners on the ship about Yahweh because mm-hmm. it comes up because there's a storm and they're asking him questions and, well, who's your God? And we should pray to him. And then they see God's power as he calms the storm. So it's like we can even try to run away like I do when I go on vacation. Mm-hmm. We can do anything we want, but we we actually can't get out of this story that God's yeah. writing. He mm-hmm. He actually loves us too much to, to let us out of his story, right? Yes, yes, that's absolutely <laughs> right. I was thinking about um, the, as I as I've thought about the true story and I've read about the different people in, in the Bible, that many of them, like I've, I've been struck in the Old Testament where King Cyrus, God calls King Cyrus my servant. And he says, he does not know my name, but he's, he's my servant. And I thought that just like blew my categories a little bit. And I thought, and I know his name, you know, he's his name. And how can we but do what God calls us to do. And sometimes like Jonah, we may resist that, but God, God, God is relentless. I think sometimes in, in how he, uh, how he's pursued us, but also how he uses us and calls us into the lives of people. Sometimes that we don't want, we don't want to. Yeah. I think that's that how God is God. He, he is he is God. <laughs> you know, we have, we follow him and it's a, it's a challenging thing to follow God. You know, mm-hmm. it's an adventure. Yes, for it sure. Is. <laughs> and sometimes it sends us into the belly of a whale. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes it does. <laughs> well, let's talk about how you and Bob, your husband, Bob have been using kind of this, my friends narrative approach mm-hmm. um, in your own context during the pandemic by praying weekly in your neighborhood gazebo. Okay. Yeah. That's been an amazing thing too. We, uh, I kind of am ashamed to say that it wasn't until the pandemic that I paid much attention to my neighborhood. 
And that's not true for Bob, but I traveled. That's where my job took me was I was either here on Zoom calls or I was traveling somewhere. And obviously for all of us, the, the, our neighborhoods became that place of quarantine. And I began to notice and think about and converse with our neighbors. And pretty early on, we both felt the need to kind of called again to the gazebo in our neighborhood, which we, our neighborhood is, is condos, townhouses, and apartment buildings. And very transient. Uh, we live in what's called Research Park in the Raleigh-Durham area. So it's also people from all over the world are here. And um, we, we know some people that have been here for a while like us, but a lot of people come and go. Um, so we just put up, there was a social page, Facebook page. We started to post on there where we'll be praying at the gazebo. And I would say that we get, you know, like there's a, maybe 70 people like it on Facebook, but nobody comes. So in some ways, it's not like this, like kind of what you would hope would happen would be people would just be thronging to the gazebo, you know, and they will please pray for us. But that's not been the case. Uh, we've had a few people come, though. Um, one woman who uh, I'm pretty sure has not had someone pray for her. We prayed for her and her family and her kids. Their restaurant had to close. Um, we had uh, another guy from India. He was the, uh, his kids live here, and he was sort of stuck here because of COVID. And we keep praying for him. He's, we haven't seen him, so we think he's made it back. But, um, but it's been this really great exercise, ex- exercise of faith for us. Like we know God has called us to be there. And as we look out, we pray just like we would do on campus. We pray for all the um, people that live in the townhouses and all the people that live in the condos and all the people that live in the apartments. And some people we now know by name. And so we pray for them. One woman joined us named Beverly, who recently moved here. Um, And we begin to hear stories of other people, like her church is in northern North Carolina, and it's in this little tiny town, and they've seen like 30 people pass away because of COVID. You know, and you think, oh, wow, like that is so sobering. And I've prayed for her pastor, you know, and, um, and we just... We have sat there thinking if we really believe in the God of the true story of the whole world, that even if we don't know people's names, even if we don't know what's going on in their lives, even if they never come to us for prayer, God knows who they are. And there are other believers around us that are sharing the same gospel that we are. And so, and then we've read in the midst of that, we've read through all the a chapter a week over the gazebo of the word and I've read the gospel of John and we're just about done with the gospel of Acts. I mean the gospel of Acts, the book of Acts, the Acts of the Holy Spirit, I like to call it. And we just sit, we'll read it and then we just kind of sit there and think, oh my gosh, the Holy Spirit moves in such mysterious ways, mighty ways, uncanny ways, unrecognizable ways, you know, that and illogical, sometimes not rational like he, God is on the move, like you said, and we join him. He doesn't need us, which we always kind of say that, but he invites us to participate. And that's kind of what we believe God's called us to do in this season. And um, tonight we go again tonight. And I posted on there that we'd be praying for India. And there are lots of Indians that live here, South Asians that live in our, our neighborhood. And so 
I just invited people if they have family or friends and want to want us to pray with them that we would. So I don't know, but it's been really encouraging for like deepening for us to do together. Hmm. Isn't it just crazy to look back and see how, you know, you mentioned, you've mentioned so many places like Switzerland and Australia and these big projects that you get Mm -hmm. to work on, which are so cool and are helping missionaries all over the world. And, and then we enter this lockdown quarantine mm-hmm. pandemic and we're, we're not going anywhere. Yeah. But, it, and you, even you're setting up this prayer time and, you know, 70 people are liking it on Facebook, but one person yeah. is showing up at the gazebo for prayer. And it's like, I know I've experienced God, like he cares about the nations. He also cares about the one, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And I feel like that's the part of his heart that he's shown a lot of us, Mm -hmm. especially us who are in ministry and do, we get to travel around and work with all these different staff and all these different people and see these grand things that God's doing. But the past year has been like, pray with one person Mm -hmm. because that's, that's what Jesus ministry was Mm -hmm. like seeing he would preach to the crowds but then he would interact with and pray for and heal one person. Yeah. And isn't that who God is? Yeah. That's so encouraging. That's exactly right. We've thought about that too. And even like the, I always say that the true story of the whole world um, is comprehensive. It's for the whole world. It's universal in scope. And yet, it also helps and it gives meaning to all of life, but it gives meaning to your life and my life and how he would use us or use our friend Beverly in her on her floor in her condo building um, to have a conversation. And then that we were reached that way, like one person talked to me. Um, and yeah, that's such a great point. God is amazing that way. So amazing. Well, Cass, Crew, of course, has this really cool website called everystudent.com mm-hmm. where students and maybe just people from around the world can email questions and connect with staff. And I know you've been involved in some of those conversations. So would you share with us what are some of these conversations that you've been having virtually through everystudent.com? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really like being part of that. And um, over the years, it's ebbed and flowed. Like the, I think that as more staff get involved, there are less that come through. But um, it was maybe a little over a year ago, I got a, a an email through every student from a guy that uh, I don't know too much about him, but his email, his email name is Loveless Maple. So I have Loveless Maple in my mind pretty regularly. His name's Jimmy. And he he's wanted proof of God, proof of um, that Christianity is real, proof that uh, Christianity is uh, rational and uh, he wants evidence. And so at first I, I thought, I tried to think of things and answered some of his questions with the facts but he refuted every fact that I presented to him. And um, I would stop for a while because I knew that I couldn't convince him, that it wasn't up to me to convince him. And uh, so I, so we had a, co- a long conversation 
then I, I kind of challenged him, like, how, how do you expect me to give you proof when your criteria for what is that I have to follow your criteria, you know, like that doesn't make any sense. And that, so it was just sort of this circular conversation. And so we, we stopped for a while. And then ever since then, I mean, I, again, it's the, the work of the spirit. Loveless maple will flap, flash into my mind regularly. Like, you know, months will go by. I won't think of him. And then he will be on my, he'll be there on my mind. So I email him, Hey Jimmy, it's Cass. Just wanted you to know that God reminded me of you today and I'm praying for you. And he, he always answers and says, Oh, that's, you know, that doesn't mean anything. God isn't real. Once you prove to me that God is real, maybe I'll believe that. And so then we go on an, on another kind of another string of emails back and forth. And, but I kind of, as I've been learning and through COVID, like you were saying, Sam, um, I thought, you know, God, God is moving some, somehow in this guy's life. And for some reason reminds me to pray for him. But I think there must be other people in his life that are like, and I think the spirit is just like nagging him, you know, like pushing on him. And, um, and I, so I reminded him this lot that that's gone on all year long. And so recently around Easter, I talked to him about Jesus. And again, there's, you know, what's the proof for that? The answers don't matter to him. But I, I just, I said, you know, what if God works outside of what your criteria of what's rational really is? Like God is bigger than what you can imagine. If he's not as explainable as you want him to be. And because uh, I said, I think he is. And I think he cares about you because he reminds me to pray for you. And so it's not like anything's happened, really. But I do continue to pray for him and think if he's on my mind, I know he's on God's, you know, that God is working in his life. And through the pandemic, I got several other emails, mostly from believers who were struggling with all the things we all struggled with, you know, loneliness, um, not understanding the Bible, not understanding what was happening and being able to reach out and minister in that way was really encouraging and uh, heard back. I hear back periodically from people that are growing or have found help through the materials that are there or through other things that we talk about. So it's a great, great way to share the gospel. I love it. I love being part of it. Yeah. I, Whenever I'm in conversations like that, I always benefit from it somehow, even personally, if mm-hmm. I turn my turn the questions that I'm asking on myself, you know, because as yes. you're talking about Loveless Maple and Jimmy, I'm thinking, well, I wonder what, what kind of proof he would need mm-hmm. in order to believe. I wonder if he's, well, if this happens, then I'll know, they'll know there's a God if this mm-hmm. happens. And I... And then I recognize areas in my own life where I, I'm not believing God or I'm not trusting God. And I turn that spotlight on myself. Mm-hmm. Well, well, what would have to happen for me to trust God in this area mm-hmm. or in that area? Yeah. It's super humbling, right? Yeah, it is. So humbling. Yes. Yes. Okay. Well, Cass, we're, as we wrap up here, I would love to hear, I know that you are about to go on a sabbatical. And you said you haven't taken one ever in all your years on staff. And I would love to hear, we, we love talking about sabbatical on listener podcast because oh, yeah. it's a chance to listen mm-hmm. to God and listen to your life. And um, it, rest is so important. 
just the idea of Sabbath rest and Mm -hmm. a a Sabbath heart. So tell us what some of your plans are for your sabbatical and some of what you haven't planned. Like, what are you just leaving open Mm -hmm. to see what God will do? Yeah, great question. I've been trying to be pretty purposeful because I think three months I could drive my husband nuts if I don't have... Or vice versa. Yeah, yeah, right. And, um, but I also know that I could plan too many things or, you know, I don't want to, I don't, I want to leave room for God and room to listen. And, uh, so I followed that. I think that's kind of, I've given it to people in on staff too, that have like different kind of a rhythm of release. That's where I'm going to start. It's just sort of to release everything, rest and release. And, um, just really try and let go of just the day to day need to be prepared to do something, you know, and just kind of let it go. I've been journaling over the last few months as um, kind of in preparation, yeah, because we know we something's ahead for us. We're not really sure what, uh, but so that's one thing too, is just wanting to hear from the Lord and listen. So that first month, I'm going to try and clear my, my brain of clutter is mainly what I'm going to do. So we're starting out at the beach, which is my favorite place. And then I, um, I'm, I have a friend who works with Jesus Film. We've been, we were roommates in college, and we go, we've been really good friends all these years. And so I'm going to go visit her in Orlando for a couple days. And she's always fun for me to be with because we've shared so much together that it's easy to talk about deeper things. And so I'm looking forward to that. And uh, I'll see my family. I get to go to Colorado in June, which we all love. And I'm going to, my family, we're having a little reunion there. So that'll be good. Like it's at the end of June. So at, at the end of each month, I have something. And then I, I'll kind of wrap up with a, a missiology council. It's the SEND Institute in Chicago that I'm part of, um, which I'm glad. That's a, to me, will be a good place to re-engage. So it's kind of have places to go during those times. And then I have some books that um, I've been reading actually a book on hermeneutics, but it's all, it started out as uh, really listening to God and listening to scripture. It's very, a really spiritually forming book. And so I'm going to work my way through that along with the gospel of John is kind of what I want to do spiritually during that time and listen for the spirit uh, and then we're we're just sort of waiting with our hands open, asking God to guide us for the next season, whatever that might be. So together, we'll, we're entering into a time of waiting, I guess, but also listening. And, um, and then I have a coach, a, an executive coach. I'll touch base with her once a month. She knows me pretty well, so I'm glad I'll have somebody that will set me straight if I'm doing going off my... You're doing sabbatical wrong. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) If you're not, you're not sabbatically. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.